All right, we are in part 12 in our series through the select psalms. We've entitled the series, Where to Turn. We're talking about psalms that light the way. And this morning you can see in your book or on your outline, the title, Where to Turn for a Prayer Life that Works. So, Larry Walters, he got bored one Saturday on July 2nd, 1982, and he got an idea. He lived in Los Angeles. He decided that he wanted to see Los Angeles from a different point of view, so he purchased 45 used weather balloons, and he filled these balloons with helium, and then he tied them onto his Sears lawn chair, and he strapped himself into the lawn chair, and it looked like this uh, as he strapped himself into that long chair over here on the left. And his idea was to go up a few hundred feet and check out the view, and uh, boy, did he ever check out the view. He brought three items with him, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a six-pack of beer, and a BB gun to shoot out the balloons, you know, to lower himself to earth, you know, after his adventure. He actually soared 16,000 feet up into the LAX airspace, you know, right there where the planes go by. And uh, yeah, he's floating around. 45 minutes his flight lasted. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, pilots are reporting, hey, there's some guy floating around in a lawn chair up here. They shut down the entire airport because of this. Larry finally did land, and the media was there, and certain other personnel were there to greet him. And the media asked him three questions in particular. One was, were you scared? Second, would you do it again? But the biggest question I want to focus in on was, they asked him, why did you do this? And his quote was just absolutely classic. He said, you just can't sit around all day and do nothing. <laughs> Larry Walters, he was saying, you know, my life has been getting a little boring lately, and I needed some excitement to just spice it up. So I want to ask you a question. Do you ever feel a certain Larry Walters restlessness in your spirit that there's just got to be more to the Christian life? I want you to think about that. You ever feel like you're missing something in your relationship with God? You're like, man, I've been a Christian all these years, or maybe for you it's been a year, you're watching on video, it's been whatever. You ever think, am I missing something? You ever say, how come I don't see tangible evidence of God working in my life in exciting ways? You ever feel like you're going without? I think we all do. You know, in James chapter 4, verses 2 to 3, it's there on your outlines. We see in this scripture, I don't know if you've ever seen this before. I'm sure you've read this, but I don't know if you've ever really looked at what the words say. It points out two reasons why we as Christians lack what God would have us to have. Hmm. Look at this scripture. It says, you do not have because you do not what? Ask God. And then he goes on to say, he goes, but when you do ask, you don't receive. 
Because you ask with, what does it say? Wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Let me just kind of break that down. There's two reasons we lack from God. Right out of that scripture. Number one is we don't pray. And second, when we do pray, we pray the wrong way. This is a profound scripture. This is a profound truth. It really is. The Bible teaches us, watch this, there is a right way to pray and there's a wrong way to pray. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. You know, that's why the disciples, they came to Jesus in Luke 11, verse 1, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And then, if you recall, Jesus did teach the disciples how to pray. He gave them the disciples' prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And he also taught many other principles on prayer. But the question today is this. Where do we turn in the Psalms for a prayer life that really works? Because I think we would all admit there is a certain Larry Walter's restlessness in our spirit. Am I missing out on something? And the New Testament says, yeah. There's two reasons why we lack from God. We don't pray, and when we do pray, we pray the wrong way. Is there a psalm that teaches us how to pray the right way? And the answer is absolutely. And it's Psalm right here, 86. Nothing is more frustrating than having something that doesn't work. I mean, that is so frustrating. Have you ever had a remote that doesn't work? Last week, the remote on our TV was not working. And it was so frustrating. I could turn the TV on manually, and the remote, you know, was just not, nothing was working. And I'm like, oh, I got to call Comcast. I literally call Comcast. I got them on the phone. I'm finally talking, you know, after you wait 10 minutes, right? 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes. And at this point, Tracy comes out, and she's got the remote. Now, I thought, okay, the batteries are bad, so I replaced brand new batteries. I get the guy on the line. I go, hey, TV's on. Nothing's working. Tracy takes the remote. And I'm talking to the guy, and he's like, okay, we're going to figure this out. And Tracy's like, hey, Mark, you put one of the batteries in backwards. <laughs> and I'm like trying to talk to this guy so he can't hear what she is saying. Mark, you know you put the bat, And she's just flipping through the channels and everything. <laughs> And I go, guess what? I go, you're the greatest technician ever in Comcast. You just solved the whole problem. You deserve a raise. Click, said goodbye. <laughs> wow. To have something that works is a blessing. You know, I, I can't imagine anything more important for it to work in our lives than prayer. Really? Yeah. Think about it. And, and there may be many of us who are just frustrated because... We're like, I just thought, you know, you look at the Bible, it says so much about prayer. How come my prayer life doesn't seem to work? Well, I, there's hope. There's encouragement for you this morning. Because we're going to look at a psalm that I think will change your life. Now, turn to Psalm 86. If you're not there, you should be there. And just kind of get it in your eye. Notice that it, this is, uh, it says a prayer of David. So all 17 verses here, it's a prayer. And here's a man after God's own heart, David, who gives us uh, a prayer that he writes out to God. And this is a model prayer. It's a prayer for us to learn from. 
And I love what Romans 15.4 says. It says, for everything that was written in the past, okay, Old Testament, was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Underline that. We might have hope. Psalm 86 is a psalm that's given to you and to me to give us hope about our prayer life, to discover a prayer life that really works. And so what I want us to see this morning is just five types of prayers or five principles for praying that really work from the example of David. Here we go. Number one, first way to pray for a prayer life that works. Prayer that works is praying with reasons. Reasons. Now let me ask you a question. When you pray, do you give to God along with your requests, which I think we're all good at, giving to God our requests, right? But do you give Him the reasons why God should answer your requests? This is such an important principle in prayer. I mean, think about it. You use this all the time in your communication with people. How come we don't pray this way? For example, you may go to your boss, and let's say you need a new uh, copy machine because the copy machine you know, blew up. You would give your boss, or maybe you want an upgraded copy machine. You're not just going to say, hey, boss, him or her, whoever they are, you know, we need a new copy machine that's going to cost us $18,000. You're going to give your boss the reasons why. You've done a little study. Your department needs this new tool because it's going to help you reach more customers. And da-da-da-da, you're going to sell it, so to speak. How come we don't do that with God? We should. I want you to notice how David reveals his request to God, but he also gives God valid reasons why God should answer his requests. And this is all through Scripture, but especially look at, the, look, look at how he begins. Hear me, Lord, and answer me. Well, why should God hear him and answer him? For I am poor and needy. Guard my life. Well, why should God guard his life? For I am faithful to you. Save your servant. Well, why should God save David? Save your servant who trusts in you. I trust in you, Lord. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord. Why should God have mercy? Because David's saying, you are my God. For I called you all day long. I called you all day long. That is why you should have mercy on me. Verse 4. Bring joy to your servant, Lord. Well, why? Why should God bring joy to David? For I put my trust in you, David is saying. Look at verse 5. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call on you. Wow. You see again and again and again. David just giving to God the reasons why God should answer his prayers. Prayers that work are prayers that articulate clearly the reasons why God should answer our requests. And we see this throughout Scripture. You think about Moses. God got angry with the Israelites. God said, I'm going to destroy them. And Moses said, if you do that, the Egyptians will say, look what their God did. He just brought them out of the desert to destroy them. But Moses, you know, he gave God an intelligent reason why God should not, why he should relent. You know, sometimes we pray for a certain relationship with a guy or a gal. Perhaps you're single. So let me ask you a question. 
With your request, are you also giving to God the valid reason or reasons why God should grant you that relationship with so-and-so? I mean, this is how we should pray for a prayer life that works. Sometimes we pray for a raise at our job, and that's a fine request. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with praying for a boyfriend or a girlfriend or praying for a raise. But are we giving to God the reasons why God should give us that raise? And this is what David is doing in verses 1 to 5. He's given to God the reasons why God should grant his request. David is praying with reasons. He's reasoning with God. And you know, God invites you into that sort of dialogue. As a matter of fact, God says, please reason with me. That's part of what prayer is. You look at Isaiah 1.18. Come now, God says, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. The Christian, in our relationship with God, the image we have of God in our prayer relationship is that of a child going to their heavenly father. That, that's the image we're given. You know, Matthew 6, 9 talks about it. This then is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven. So we talk to God as if, as he, if he is, and he is, our heavenly Father. So I just want you to think about this. This is so practical, but guess what? We can just go straight to our requests, and we forget reasoning. And you know, God sometimes, he's wanting to teach us how to pray. How, so we will become, you know, a little baby just cries out only for what they need. There's no reasoning. And that's all right to do that when you're a little baby. God answers the prayer of little immature Christians who just know nothing but to cry out. But as you grow, as you've been a Christian for a long time, if you're still praying like a little baby, God's like, you need to grow up. Reason. Learn to give me the reasons. So just think about how you parent your kids. So let me give you a hypothetical example. Child number one, he comes to you and he says, Daddy, I, I want to go to Jimmy's house. Please let me go to Jimmy's house. I beg you, uh, Daddy, let me go to Jimmy's house. And you're going to go, okay, I'm going to think about that. But then child number two, he says, Daddy, can I please go to Jimmy's house? If I can go to Jimmy's house, we can do our homework together. And I might have the opportunity, Dad, also to share the Lord with him and maybe even invite him to church on Sunday. So as a dad, what child are you going to let go to Jimmy's house? I mean, you're laughing at that, aren't you? Why aren't you buttering up God? Why am I not giving to God the valid reasons why God should answer my request? Is it because you have no valid reasons? Is it because you're so immature and I'm so immature, I'm just demanding of God? If you have a child that just demands of you, demands of you without any reason or thought, Think about it. Hmm. Prayer that works is prayer that is supported with the reasons why God should grant your request. Now, please understand, this is not saying every request we make to God that is supported with our reasons will be answered positively by God because God is omniscient. He knows everything. But God, and God knows things we don't know. God only grants to us what is best for us and what brings Him glory. But what we are saying is this. 
when we are moving, we are moving in the right direction when we learn to pray with reasons. This is just one of the principles of prayer that gets answered when we begin to pray with reasons rather than just demands. Look at 1 John 5, 14 to 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. What that is saying is this, the the prayer that gets answered every time is the prayer that it's in accordance with God's will. And you know how you get it praying in God's will? By reasoning with God. As you learn to reason with God, that is going to bring you into praying prayers that are in accordance with God's will, and those prayers get answered. So that's the first type of prayer that works, is praying with reasons. Second time of prayer that really works. Prayer that works is praying with confidence. So let me ask you a question. When you pray to God, are you praying with confidence that God will hear and answer your requests? So let me just ask you a question. If we could just play back your last prayer to God, and we could all hear it here this morning, okay? Would it be ringing with a tone of confidence? Did you pray it with confidence to God? Notice the confidence of David's prayer in verses 6 and 7. David says this, Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Notice David, it doesn't say, because you might answer me. No, because you answer me. This is why I am praying. Prayer that works is prayer that's delivered with confidence that God is going to answer. And this is taught all throughout the Bible. Look at Matthew 21 too. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That's what Jesus said. If you believe, you will receive. If you believe. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with doubt. (laughs) So that, no, 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 it doesn't say that. Let us approach the throne of God's grace with what? Confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. I mean, this is kind of the condition. You want to receive from God? You've got to come to Him with confidence. Look at James, again, 1, verse 6 and 7. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive what? Anything. Whoa. From the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, again... When you're a brand new Christian, you know, it's one thing to have little confidence. But as you grow in the Lord, your confidence in who God is and His character should be growing and growing and growing. And we should be praying as time goes on with greater confidence as time goes on. Prayer that works is single-minded. It boldly enters the throne room of God's grace, convinced that God's going to answer that prayer. You know, I remember years ago, there was a teachable moment, and uh, it was a moment when I was growing in my confidence in prayer, and Josh was our oldest son now, he was just a little guy, and um, he wanted a boomerang. Boomerangs are cool. When's the last time you've thrown a boomerang? And so I went out and I bought him two boomerangs, and I think it was for Christmas, 
And then he's like, Dad, we need to go out and try these. And so we went over to a proctor school, and we're out on the field, and we're just winging these boomerangs, and they're so awesome, you know, to try to get it to come back to you and everything. And so Josh had his boomerang, and I had my boomerang. We're just playing in the field, having a good time. And Josh threw his boomerang when I wasn't looking at it, and it sailed actually over his head and landed in this massive field, which is up on the hillside. It's the size of a football field. And he starts crying because the boomerang is lost. And I mean, this is like, it's four feet of weeds. And I'm like, and he's just crying and coming up to me. And I'm like, what? He's like, Daddy, my boomerang is gone. I go, where? And he, like, he points. I go, did you see where? And he goes, no. And I'm like, I'm looking at literally a football field. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm like, so I, I, it kind of hit me. I said, Josh, I go, do you believe God knows where that boomerang is? And he said, yeah. I said, well, let's pray. Go, let's pray. And I just said a simple prayer, Lord. <laughs> I've never prayed for a boomerang before. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, would you lead? You know where that boomerang is. And I mean, just confident. And God, I'm praying that you will lead Josh and I to find that boomerang. And within 10 seconds, we walked, you know, like 30 feet, 40 feet up there. And a middle of nowhere, a needle in a haystack, boom, there that boomerang was. That was a beautiful moment, a teachable moment. I'm like, thank you, Lord, for honoring that. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd still be there looking, you know? I was growing in my confidence, learning to pray. You know, prayer that works is praying with reasons. It's just not demands, but it's reasons why God should answer that. And then it's praying with confidence. I'd like you to, these first two principles of the first two ways for a prayer life that works, which one most speaks to you of those first two, or maybe most challenges you, or most encourages you? I'd like you to talk about that at your tables. Go for it. Okay, we are talking about five ways to pray for a prayer life that really works. Prayer that really works, it's prayer when we're praying with reasons, where we're learning to pray with confidence. Thirdly, prayer that works is praying with adoration. So when we do pray, are we presenting our request to God, you know, like we would, I don't know, order a value meal at McDonald's? Or are we spending time, I don't know, or, or just adoring the Lord, praising the Lord, exalting the Lord? Again, do we just go straight to requests or is there praise for the Lord Jesus Christ? And just notice David's adoration of God, verses 8 to 10. He says, among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. Are there times that we pray to God like this? Is this part of our prayer life? All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. I mean, this is just this moment of praise and adoration and exaltation of God that we see David bringing in his prayer life. This is prayer that really works. It includes a heavy dose of adoration, praise, and exaltation. When our boys were living at home, they were masters at this art. They were. If you've got kids at home, they are masters at this. Um, Daddy, you are the best. There is no daddy like you. We sure love you, daddy. Can we go to McDonald's? <laughs> and then they know how to really...
really lay it on if they want it. Can we go to Disneyland? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Um, and guess what? As a daddy, I am moved by their love. Even if I can see through what they are doing, I am moved by their love. Hmm. I remember one time, I was driving down the road with James, who's our middle son now, one of the pastors at our church, and he uh, is, he's in his seat and his feet, I love that age when their feet couldn't hit the ground, and I just loved, that was my favorite age of these kids. And then they started to get smelly and no, and all that, you know. <laughs> no, I just love that age. And I remember looking at James, I'll never forget this moment, I said, hey, James, when you grow up, what do you want to be? I remember he reached over, grabbed my hand, and he looks up and he goes, I want to be a daddy just like you. I'm like, do you want the car keys now? Do you want, <laughs> I mean, I just so moved my heart as his daddy. Why do we think God is not moved? If you have a son that just only demands, like wants to use you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, why do we think that God is not moved? I mean, we're parents. Do you know where that came from? The parenting heart of God. We are made in God's image. God is emotional. God has feelings. Your feelings come from God. God has emotions. Wow. Why would we not think that God loves it when we tell Him we love Him? We adore Him. We exalt Him. We praise Him that He is the greatest. God gets moved. He really does. Now, God is still God, but God has feelings. He's our Heavenly Father who emotionally loves His children. You are His child. God emotionally loves you. And He is moved by your expressions of affection for Him. This is part of prayer that works. One of the reasons I believe that David had such a powerful prayer life was because he wrote the Psalms, and the Psalms are just filled with praise and adoration. When's the last time, you know, you've just written a song to God? Seriously, write him a song or a psalm of praise yourself. This is one of the reasons why I encourage you to journal, especially as guys. We are so, it, for me, um, Journaling has changed my life. It's helped me get actually in touch with the fact that I even have feelings. When we first got married, I didn't even know what a feeling was. I love Boston more than a feeling, but I had no idea what that meant. And I'm telling you, I journal every single morning. And I, I, my, my journal is other than Sunday. Six days a week I journal. My journals are a prayer of praise to God. There's sometimes that, that journal is nothing but praise to God. And so if you struggle, you know, this part of prayer praising, I just encourage you to start journaling. Journal. Take Seminar 201 again. I spend a whole hour on, on what that is like and how I do that. Uh, but uh, David, he moved the heart of God because of his praise, and that is prayer. It's a portion of prayer. It's a type of prayer that, that works. It moves the heart of God. Prayer that works is prayer that overflows with praise and adoration and exaltation. Think about it with your kids. We are God's kids. We just are. It's not manipulating God. I don't understand how it works in the grand scheme of things, but God sees that. He look, doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at our hearts, 
And when we get in tune with Him in this way, it all moves us to praying according to His will. And it's always prayer that's asked in God's will. But God's will is that you and I learn to praise Him. Fourth way to pray prayers that work. Prayer that works is praying with surrender. So here's another question. When we pray, uh, do we pray with a fully surrendered heart to the will of God? And notice David's surrendered heart to God's will for his life in verses 11 uh, through 13. And, and as we read this, would you ask, do I pray this way? I mean, there are times that you pray this way. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart. It's like, I want your way, Lord. I want an undivided heart, you know, fully committed to you, that I may fear your name. I want to reverence your name. Verse 12, I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. Not a portion of my heart. You're getting all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Not my glory. It is your glory that I want. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. He's thinking back of where God has rescued him. Some of you have been delivered from disease and sickness and peril and, 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 and maybe accidents or moments. And, and, and David is mindful of that. And with that, he's like, God, you've saved me. And I just want to serve you and I want to honor you. And I give you my life and I want your will to be done. It's he's surrendering. You know, and do we pray that way? Prayer that works is prayer that is just brought to God with a surrendered heart. No agenda other than the will of God. So when we pray, you know, what is our agenda? What is your agenda? What is my agenda when we pray? Just think about it. This last week, how's it been? Uh, is it a self-agenda or is it God's agenda? I feel like we're in Vietnam right now. So, <laughs> Is it my glory or is it God's glory? You know, when I do pray, hmm, <laughs> we got a helicopter right out here, man. I love it. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Would you just underline that? Hearts fully committed to Him. When, as we're learning to pray in a way that works, our hearts before God should be open and laid bare and just fully committed to His will, to His way. God is looking to answer the prayers of someone whose heart is just aligned with His. You know, James said, and we read this earlier, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with what? Wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on what? Your? Wow. In other words, you don't get an answer to that prayer because it's just fully loaded with self-centeredness. It's all about your agenda. Prayer that fails to work is prayer that is self-centered. Its, its motive is the glory of self. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is sometimes how I pray. I just can, I, can be very self-centered. And maybe I wonder why, well, God, you're not answering, because it's all about me. Prayer that works is God-centered. Its motive is the glory of God. I mean, isn't that how Jesus prayed? Remember how Jesus prayed? Not my will be done, but what? Thy will be done. Wow. Prayer that works is prayer that is coupled with a heart fully surrendered to the will of God, the glory of God, the pleasure of God. There's a little simple cartoon I came across a while ago. And here you have a dad that's going in with little Johnny into the bedroom. And, 
and listening to his prayers. And, and here's little Johnny. He says, God, make me like my daddy, big and strong and smart. That's kind of humbling. And then the next thing, you know, dad goes out. We've had times when our kids can move us with powerful lessons. Dad goes away, thinks about that. He starts to pray. And he says, Lord, make me like my child, obedient, faithful, trusting. This is prayer. Prayer is about obedience to God's will, faithfulness to the plan of God, trusting in the purposes of God, praying for God's purposes to prevail. It's not about my agenda, it's God's agenda. And, and so if you're struggling with seeing God answer prayer, you've got to do some soul searching and saying, am I praying according to my will or is it God's will? And that's deep, that's deep. And we've got to be pondering that and thinking about that. And, and guess what? We never arrive at a, a prayer life that's perfect. It's not about perfection. It's about making progress. And that's why we come to a, a place like this ministry. We hear God's word. We're saying, Lord, I want to make progress. By your grace, continue to teach me. And we're learning from David. This is good. Fifth way, to uh, pray for a prayer that, you know, uh, pray a prayer that really works. Learning to pray this way. Prayer that works is praying with urgency. Hmm. So when we pray, you know, do we come to God with a sense of urgency? Or is it just kind of passe? And is there indifference in our prayer life to God? Or is there a sense of urgency? And notice the urgency of David's prayer in verses 14 to 17. David says, arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So he's given God the reasons why he should answer him in the midst of the urgency. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength in behalf of your servant. Save me because I serve you just as my mother did. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and put, be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and, and you've comforted me. Prayer that works is prayer that is prayed with urgency. And did you just notice how we prayed and the heat just came on? Ah, God is good all the time. God is good. You know, look at verse 16 again. Turn to me. Look, look at the urgency. Turn to me. Have mercy on me. Lord, I've got these enemies, these foes, they're attacking me. Wow. You know, every parent knows the cry of their child just from the sound of it. I'm amazed at mothers and even dads know this. I remember, you know, sometimes during the day and, you know, you as a dad or as a mom, you'll hear, dad, and you'll hear that tone. And you'll go, yeah, okay, it's not really that urgent. You might wait in responding to your kid. And the other time, it's at night, it's like, Daddy, and you're like, nightmare, and boom, you're in there in a second. And that is the same with God. God hears the tone of your voice when you pray. What is your tone? If it's urgent, God is there. He just is. He responds to the urgent cry of his children, just like you as a parent. And you know the difference. You do know that as a parent, and God knows it perfectly. 
Uh, let me give you three characteristics of urgent prayer. Number one is that urgent prayer is present tense intensive, not past tense like passe. Look at verse 14. This is what David says. He says, arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. This is present tense. It's happening right now. So as you come to God, you're like, God, right now, this is what's happening. This is intensive. It is right now, present tense. This is what I'm... Or do you, you know, do you finally, three days later, after you should have been praying, then you bring to God something in the past? I don't know. I'm just saying that God responds to the urgent cry of His kids. And it's present. Like right now, you're dealing with this and you cry out to Him. Urgent prayer, secondly, is specific, not just general. There's nothing wrong with praying general prayers. But, but urgent prayer is specific, and like in verse 16. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show me your strength. Because, you know, save me. Those are very specific requests. I remember when our kids were young, we would have prayers with them, you know, in, in their rooms at night. And, and sometimes our kids say, okay, when Lord, we pray that you would bless the world. We pray for the missionaries. I go, oh, let's talk about the part of the world we want to pray for. Let's talk about the missionary by name we want to pray for. And I'm teaching my kids to not pray in generalities. There's nothing wrong with praying for the world unless you're praying that prayer. Let me tell you, you pray for the world every day and you pray for the missionaries every day, you will get so bored and God's going to get so bored of your prayer. Because it's just like repetition. We are called to not pray prayers of repetition. That's what the Pharisees did. And Jesus, you know, he squared off on them. Because they're, they're praying without thought. You've got to name those things. Pray by countries now by name. Pray by missionaries by name. There's nothing wrong, again, with praying in generalities. But it can't only be generalities. Praying with urgency is present tense and it is very specific. And that's why, again, I encourage you to learn how to journal. Because journaling, and you write down a prayer request every day, it shows you how immature your prayers are because you would not believe how many Christians pray only in generalities and they wonder why God's not answering is because their prayer life is not growing. But when you learn to write prayer requests down, it forces you to become specific. It's just a thought to encourage you with. And this is what David is. He's getting very specific. This was one of his journal entries. This psalm later makes it into Scripture, but it is a journal entry. David didn't know this was one day make the Old Testament that we'd be studying today as inspired Scripture. So it's specific. And also urgent prayer calls upon the Lord for help and comfort. And I just, again, see these as specifics, but I love give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame for you, Lord. You've helped me. You've comforted me. That, that's a great prayer request. There could be a thousand others that are specific to your life that you should be praying. You know, Webster says, urgency is calling for immediate attention. That's how we should be praying, for immediate attention at times. Prayer that works is prayer that's prayed with urgency. I want you to talk about these last three ways for a prayer life that works. And again, would you just respond, of those, these last three, which one you know, most speaks to you about maybe how you should grow in prayer? Is it learning to pray with greater adoration or greater surrender or greater urgency? Just take a moment, talk about that at your tables. Go for it.
All right. So, where do you turn for a prayer life that really works? I hope that you will fall in love with Psalm 86. I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. You know, there are two reasons, again, let me just bring you back to that very powerful Scripture, why we can go as Christians without. I mean, that's an amazing thing. That God says there's two reasons why you can go without. One, you don't pray. And two, you're praying the wrong way. And the Lord is saying to that, us you know, that in love. And this morning we've learned five ways to pray in a way that works. We, we learn to pray with reasons. So start giving to God along with your request. Nothing wrong with giving God your request, but give Him the reasons why. Start reasoning with God. That's, that's beautiful prayer. That's growing in maturity in your prayer. And then start praying with confidence. That's going to, it takes time. Your confidence will grow as time goes on because you're, gonna, you're trusting God more and more. And as you see Him answering more and more prayers, your confidence, my confidence 10 years ago compared to today, it's so much more. I have so much more confidence in God. This is, and, and I'm sure I pray five, ten years from today, it'll grow even more. And learning to pray with adoration. Learning to just praise God. Spending time praying. It, prayers of praise, of adoration and thanksgiving. And then praying with surrender. It's not just asking, but it's, Lord, what giving God parts of your life. Surrendering His will to be done, not your will. And then praying with urgency, getting specific, coming to God with a, a, a tone of urgency. You know, I don't necessarily admire uh, Larry Walters for flying his lawn chair 16,000 feet into the air, but I do admire his vision. I really do. And I love his statement, you just can't sit around all day and do nothing. So Larry got a vision and he did something about it. And I can't imagine a more important vision for us to catch than a vision for learning to pray the right way. And perhaps these principles have given you a new vision for prayer. And that would be so exciting. Your Heavenly Father loves you so much. And I'll never forget a time when I was a little boy, and I'm with my dad in our pickup truck, and I was just a little guy. And my dad invited me to come into his lap and drive the truck. And we're driving along the frontage road in San Ramon in that pickup truck. And then we passed a police car coming the other way. <laughs> and that police car turned around, pulled my dad over, and gave him a ticket. And you know what? I... I, 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 I remember that moment because I went, man, my dad paid a price to allow me to sit in his lap to teach me something out of love. And I've never forgot that moment. You know, your Jesus went to the cross to pay a price so you could sit in the Father's lap so we could teach you things like this, how to pray because talking with God is so important. And He invites you into that. He loves you so much. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank You for Your love. Your Word to us is love. 
And Lord, you long for nothing but your children to talk with you. And this is an arts, learning to pray. And thank you for the scriptures and the truths and the principles we've learned this morning. And would you just thank your heavenly father that his son paid the price so you could talk with God through Jesus. That's amazing. And the Lord invites you to sit in the heavenly father's lap, so to speak, and just learn to dialogue with him along these five ways that will really grow your prayer life. He understands your weaknesses, how you get distracted. He gets all that. He just loves you, but he wants you to fall into his lap, his arms. And would you just say, Lord, help me to groove with you. Sorry, I just brought you to Michael Jackson, didn't I? But I want you to just, would you just say, Lord, I just want to want to walk with you and talk with you this way. I know the Lord spoke to you this morning. Give you 30 seconds to talk to him and just talk to him. It's a beautiful thing, Lord, to see your kids jumping in your lap. Bless, Lord, I pray. This week as we just drive with you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. All God's people said?